Ladies and gentlemen, how are we this fine Tuesday morning, evening, Monday evening, or wherever, whatever time it is across the world? Can I just get someone to give me a thumbs up to, to otherwise confirm that you can hear me clearly and see the screen? Thanks, Nathaniel. I'll take that hand wave as opposed to a thumbs up. Bright and sunny here. Thank you, Fred, because it's not bright and sunny where I am. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you for turning up to one of our Ascendo Reliability webinars. Now, uh, in the webinar admin or the webinar page itself, you should have access to a workbook, a PDF workbook, it's editable, and that's going to contain all the information of uh, this webinar. Uh, there's stuff, there's, uh, there are room, there's room, I should say, in the edit editable PDF for you to be able to take notes as you seem fit, but everything we talk about will be uh, included in that workbook for future reference. So today, we're gonna to talk about discrete distributions. Uh, and before we go into, um, uh, thanks for that comment, Fred, regarding that uh, workbook. So regard to what discrete distributions are, we're gonna go through a couple of scenarios to paint the picture first. Uh, because discrete distributions are really useful for helping us, uh, as, the as the title suggests, do things like fleet pl planning and spare parts analysis. And what we're going to cover today is a relatively high level introduction to discrete distributions and how they can help us essentially do logistic-y stuff. So let's paint the scenario first, which is always a really good idea because that motivates us to want to understand uh, this, these tools, these things, these concepts to help us answer these questions in day-to-day -day life. If we learn the tool first, we're not nearly as motivated until we learn why it's important to have that tool in our toolbox. So let's look at a scenario which is based on a military vehicle, one like this, and a, an armoured vehicle which is very slowly coming up on the screen right now, very discreetly at this point in time. So this is a, uh, uh, an armoured personnel carrier. It's a, as the name suggests, it's an armoured vehicle. The idea is that it's supposed to be able to transport uh, soldiers across the battle space in relative protection so they can get as close to the, uh, the, uh, their objective as possible before they need to start engaging. Very useful uh, tool on the battlefield. And as is the case for, for lots of uh, machines like this, they often operate in fleets. You, as a rule, never have an armoured personnel carrier operating by itself. And we deal with fleets, we uh, often use this thing called operational availability. Operational availability is the, essentially the probability that if I walk up to any one of these APCs, armoured personnel carriers, there's 90% chance that it is available. And available means that it is either hasn't, has never failed in its life or it is, um, uh, or it's never failed in its life or it has failed and it's repaired and it's now back in a functional state. So in this case, let's assume that this APC has, a, um, has an operational availability of 90%. I can also see just as a slide aside, some comments in the chat about the workbook. I'm sure Fred's gonna give you the details on how to get that workbook as soon as possible. 
So in this scenario, let's just say we have a fleet of 10. And this is not uncommon for a military, sorry, an infantry company, a mechanized infantry company. They usually have around about 10 armored personnel carriers. And let's just say that we need exactly nine of them to be fully functional to conduct a mission. Um, and that's, that's our uh, go, no-go criteria. If we have nine ready to go, um, we should be able to launch. And because you have an operational availability of 90% and we have a fleet size of 10, then by rights, we should always have exactly nine APCs ready to go. Well, life unfortunately isn't quite like that. The, the reality is, is that there's a finite chance that every single one of these vehicles could be available or unavailable. And that's because there is a 90% chance that, that any vehicle is gonna be fully functional there's a 10% chance that any vehicle is going to be unavailable or non-functional. And so what that means is we can only deal with probability in this case. We can never deal with absolutes because failure is a random process. And we will have to assign a probability to all possible numbers of available vehicles. So we have a fleet, fleet of 10, it is poss theoretically possible for none of them to be available. It's theoretically possible for all 10 of them to be available. It's possible for four of them to be available, six of them to be available. And so for every number of possible available vehicles, we need to assign a probability of them being available. But how do we do that? How do we work out the probability of, as, as the original question asked us, what is the probability of us having exactly nine vehicles available? Well, this is how we go about doing it theoretically. So we're gonna start off with one of many scenarios where we have nine functional vehicles or nine available vehicles. So let's just say you walk up to this fleet, the fleet of 10 armored personnel carriers and the very first nine APCs you select or touch are all fully functional as indicated by this, uh, row of green vehicles. And we know that there's a 90% chance of this occurring for each individual time we approach one of these vehicles and do a test and otherwise make sure it's good or no good. And so the probability of the first nine vehicles being available is simply the operational availability to the power of nine. It's just 90% multiplied by 90% multiplied by 90% nine times. And then remember, this is one of the, this is a scenario where we find exactly nine vehicles available. It means that in this scenario, the 10th vehicle is unavailable. And the probability of that vehicle being unavailable is one minus the operational availability. And so we have now got an expression that gives us the probability of exact the first nine vehicles we select being available. But as you and I both know, there are plenty of other scenarios where this, uh, where there's plenty of other selection scenarios or combination scenarios or permutation scenarios where not exactly nine vehicles are available. In fact, there is exactly 10. In some case, in, in the first uh, scenario, we happened to select, it happened to be the case that the first nine vehicles we selected were available and the 10th wasn't. Um, it happened to be the case in the second scenario that the first 
uh, five vehicles were, were available. The sixth vehicle was unavailable and the last four went, when uh, last three were not, or whatever the second scenario is on the screen. So we have 10 different ways we can walk up to our fleet of 10 APCs and going through a process of, of essentially random selection, come, come away with nine APCs functional. And so to this is very useful, even, this, even if this seems like statistical gobbledygook or mathematical torture. The reason being is that we can simply, as a general rule, multiply the different ways we can select non-functional ve vehicles, multiply it by the operational availability, the power of nine, and multiply that by one minus the operational availability to give us the probability of exactly nine vehicles being available. In this case, it's 38.74%. So this gives us the, uh, the exact probability that nine vehicles are available. So a question for you guys, does that align with expectations? We have a fleet of 10. Um, we have an operational availability of 90%. I perhaps rhetorically suggested at the start of this little exercise that we have a fleet of 10, operational availability of 90%. That should mean we should always have nine vehicles available. Does anyone have any comments about whether this aligns with your expectations or if it's exactly what you'd expect or if there's something really weird going on um, that uh, up until this point you didn't think was a thing? Any questions, any comments about what we have just looked at so far? None. I'll assume, Nathaniel, that your hand is still raised from uh, my, my request to raise a hand if you could uh, hear, me, uh, hear me and see me clearly at the start of this uh, webinar. Thank you very much. Okay, so it turns out that if we have a fleet of 10 vehicles, and there's a 90% chance that any one of those vehicles will be available or functional, we can't guarantee that we'll have exactly nine vehicles available. We have to go through this process, this formalism. Uh, oh, sorry, Nelson, I can see that your uh, comment is that 38% is in no way 90%. You're absolutely correct. Oh, oh sorry, now there's a couple of comments coming through. It could be 10 out of 10 as well. Should we add that probability? That's a great question. I'm going to ask you to hold that question. So if I go back, uh, I'm going to come to that question. I'm going to answer that question very, very shortly. But if we go back to this scenario where we're focusing on finding the, the probability that exactly nine vehicles will be available, we come up with this general approach where we simply multiply the number of ways we can order X functional or available vehicles um, and then mul multiply that by the probability the first X vehicles are functional and multiply that by the probability the last X vehicles are non-functional. And when we do that, this is what we get, the probability mass function for our uh, APC fleet problem. Now, the question that was asked by, I think, um, Mahendra was that there is, it is possible that 10 out of 10 vehicles could be available. And that is exactly what we see. So there's an, about a 38% chance that nine vehicles will be available. There's about a 35% chance that 10 vehicles will be available. 
And as we start going down, you can see there's about a 20% chance of eight vehicles being available. Um, there's about a, what, 7% chance of seven vehicles being available. And the columns go uh, lower and lower and lower all the way down to zero, which still has a teeny tiny column. You just can't see it. It's, it's very, very small. So this is what we call a probability mass function for a discrete random variable. And in this, in this scenario, the generic, general ver generic version of that approach we came up with where we essentially multiply the different number of ways we can select non-functional vehicles by the probability of those nine vehicles being, first nine vehicles being available, available multiplied by the, by the probability that the remaining one vehicle is unavailable. This is the equation that represents that generic approach. We'll go through it and I know it's a little bit complex and perhaps intimidating, but we'll, part of this webinar is to teach you how to employ this equation in the real world in a way that's going to be simple and straightforward. Now, the very start of this equation has this weird symbol over here. And that is actually short form for that little fraction you can see in the top left-hand corner. And that too involves some weird symbols. It has the exclamation mark or the exclamation point, which essentially means that for all the numbers uh, that it applies to, we multiply it by, uh, if for, so for example, n factorial or n exclamation mark means that we multiply n by n minus one by n minus two all the way down to one. Now that's just for reference. There is no, no need for you to ever evaluate these equations by, uh, by hand, but you do need to know where it comes from. So don't forget you have a workbook, which you don't, if you don't already have, is going to be coming very soon, which has all this stuff in there. So you don't need to furiously write this stuff down. And the reason why we have this combina uh, confusing combination of symbols at the start of this equation is because this represents the different ways we can select nine functional or available vehicles. The second part of this equation is simply the probability of finding the first X or the first uh, X vehicles available in this case. This is in, you might recall in our little, little example, we were, we're looking at the first nine vehicles being available. So X was equal to nine. And as opposed to the letter P, we were using operational availability. P just simply means the probability of it being functional, successful, whatever it is you want to see in the things you're selecting. This last M over here essentially gives us the probability that the remaining vehicles, the remaining things we're selecting are unavailable or unsuccessful, whatever it is that you don't desire. And so this probability mass function is, becomes very, very useful. And this P here represents what we call the probability of success in each trial. And the term trial has a very statistical pedigree. Trial is used to describe most experiments, especially where we have one of two possible outcomes. So for example, a coin toss is an example of a trial and perhaps tossing a head is, is, is considered success and tossing a tail is considered the opposite of success, unsuccessful or unsuccess. And so each one of these scenarios where we essentially approach a random experiment and there's one of two possible outcomes is usually considered or called a trial. Now, in the case of our APCs, the act of me walking up to an APC and turning the key to see if it's available or not is a trial. There's only one of two possible outcomes. 
It's available or it's unavailable. It's functional or it doesn't work. And so the generic term for scenarios where there's two possible outcomes is trial. And in this case for fleet planning, we're talking about availability. So this is our probability mass function. Now you'll sometimes see it be a bit more formal than, the, formal than that, where we have this perhaps confusing term represent or be used in addition to the probability mass function equation. And this little expression here, probability that capital X is equal to lowercase x is the way statisticians and, and uh, professors and people who write textbooks uh, summarize a statement like the probability that some random variable X is equal to a specific, a specific value lowercase x. So the uppercase X is often essentially our random variable description. So in the case of our APCs, uppercase, S uppercase X represents the number of available APCs. And the lowercase X represents a particular value we're interested in. So perhaps it's nine. And another way of summarizing this further is to represent all this gump with a lowercase f followed by lowercase x in brackets. This is, these are all different ways of summarizing probability mass function for a discrete random variable. So let's go back to our um, probability mass function for our APCs. And you can see here that we have now summarized the probability of certain number numbers of vehicles being available at any particular point in time. So let's just say, for whatever reason, uh, we are driving our vehicles really hard or maintenance is taking a long time or they're just unreliable. And instead of our operational availability being 90%, it now drops to, let's just say 16.6% .6 or one sixth of 100%. And this is the probability mass function we get when that happens, when we have a very low availability. You can see that uh, as opposed to us having a 38% chance of there being nine vehicles available, it's a, lot, it's a lot more skewed towards zero. And so if you're asking yourselves, that's all well and good, but if I need to take this webinar and go back to my work and, and solve a problem where I'm trying to work out how many available systems I have out of a fleet of uh, N, then the way you do that is use this Excel function here. The reason why we can use this Excel function is because this probability mass function is the probability mass function of a well-known distribution called the binomial distribution. Now binomial distribution quite literally means two names or two states and it refers to those trials we were talking about where you uh, conduct a number of trials, in this case, walking up to APCs, and there's one of two possible outcomes for each trial. So if you need to go away and work out how, what, sorry, what, what the probability of exactly nine APCs being available out of a fleet of 10, given an operational availability of 90%, you simply use this Excel uh, formula and it will give you that answer. Again, you don't need to furiously write this down it is included in that workbook. And so this becomes a very powerful tool when you're doing fleet planning. But of course, you might recall that um, we are not just interested in exactly nine vehicles being available. Before we do that, let's go back and review this whole concept of discrete random variables. Now, 
people who turn up to my webinars and do my courses are very familiar with this hand here. This hand represents a random process. It summarizes different factors that influence the uncertainty we get in seemingly identical uh, scenarios. For example, if we have 10 identical engines and they're used in exactly the same way in exactly the same factory with exactly the same maintenance crew with exactly the same environmental conditions, we know that there's still lots of factors that we can't easily incorporate or easily understand that mean that all those 10 engines will fail at frustratingly different times. Now, time to failure is an example of a continuous random variable because that engine can fail on any one of any one of an infinite number of possible failure uh, points in time ranging from zero to infinity. But discrete random variables are a lot more constrained. So, for our APC uh, fleet availability uh, scenario, we were dealing with a discrete random variable because our random variable x could only be an integer value ranging from zero to 10. There's not an infinite number of possible, um, possible values. And even if there were, it's still possible to be a discrete random variable if they're countable. So you can see here the fundamental difference between a continuous random variable and a discrete random variable. You will have, uh, so those random variables can only exist in, at certain values. And in the, in the world of reliability, those, those discrete random variables that we're most interested of those that uh, can only be integers. For example, the number of fail, failures we experience in one year, the number of APCs that are available, all, the, all, those, all those sorts of random variables that are related to those two examples are discrete. Let's go back to our availability problem. Remember, we could launch a mission if we knew that at least nine vehicles were functional or available. So what we looked at so far was working, was working at the probability that exactly nine vehicles were available, which if you remember was about 38%. Yeah, that's great. We can launch when we have nine available vehicles, but as Mahendra pointed out, it's actually possible to have 10 functional vehicles. So there's actually a greater than 38% chance we can launch our mission. So let's go back to our probability mass function for our binomial distribution based on our APC fleet. And we're going to introduce a different uh, probability function called the cumulative distribution function. And if you saw what happened, that little animation, essentially what we do is all those columns which, which represent the individual probabilities of specific numbers of APCs being available, we sort of stack them up in a cumulative way. And you can see those columns have simply moved up. And because there's only, it's only possible for up to 10 vehicles to be available, all those columns need to sum to one. And this is really useful because the cumulative, cumulative distribution function helps us work out whether we could, or what the likelihood of us being able to launch our mission is. Now, the, the CDF or the cumulative distribution function doesn't actually get represented by those columns. It has to be represented by a curve or a bunch of curve segments. And this is what it looks like. And uh, this tells us, for example, the probability of having eight or fewer functional vehicles is 26.39%. We simply go across to eight, go up, to our go up our CDF curve until we hit 
either a red line or a red dot, and say, okay, there's a 26.39% chance of us having eight or fewer vehicles unavailable. And those are the conditions for us not being able to launch our mission. Therefore, the probability of having nine or few, sorry, not therefore, we, similarly, the probability of having nine or fewer functional vehicles is 65.13%. And the probability of having 10 or fewer functional vehicles is 100% because that, that includes all possible uh, uh, numbers of available vehicles. So to answer our question, what we have to do is from 100% select the CDF evaluate, evaluated at eight to calculate the likelihood of nine or more vehicles being available. So in this case, we can work out that there is a 73.61% chance of us having nine or more vehicles available if we have a fleet size of 10 and an operational availability of 90%. So question for you guys, remember, the start of this lesson, I started asking the rhetorical question, fleet of 10, what would you expect in terms of number of available vehicles if the operational availability is 90%? Turns out it's a, there's only a 73.61% chance of having nine or more functional vehicles. Does that align with expectations or does that challenge some presumptions you might've had about fleet availability? Please feel free to type your comments in the chat window or uh, pose it as a question. How can we calculate the availability? Okay, um, just to, um, I'm going to assume that uh, that person, anonymous attendee number one, is referring to uh, referring to trying to work out the probability that any one of those vehicles has a ninety percent ninety percent chance of being available if you walk up to it. That comes down to system reliability and availability mo availability modeling and analysis. That is outside the scope of this webinar. At this point in time, we're assuming that you have got a handle on the likelihood of your vehicle being available. Now, in the military context, you would have maintenance records. You would have all sorts of other things which should help you estimate availability moving forward based on historical data. If you don't, then that's to, that is also fine. And you need to do a theoretical analysis where you need to perhaps create a system reliability model and model um, how long it takes to repair things when things fail, take into consideration servicing, all those sorts of things. Now, that's just a high level summary of the sort of thing you need to do. And this webinar is premised on you having gone through that uh, to get to this stage of fleet planning. More than happy for you to reach out after this webinar to continue this conversation on email. But for the purpose of this, uh, this uh, webinar, we have to assume you've gone through that process. Larry George suggests that the slideshow shows that the probability that uh, X is less than or equal to eight. Correct. Thank you, Fred.
that answers your question, Larry. Job well done, Fred. So you can essentially see, Larry, that that blue column incorporates sort of two bars. The, the, first, the first bar, which, create, which equals that top step, is nine to 10. And the second bar, or essentially 10, exactly 10 vehicles being available. And that second step represents exactly nine vehicles being available. So you can see that we include those two steps in that blue bar, which incorporates those two scenarios, nine or 10 vehicles being available. But, but please keep asking those questions because this confirms your understanding of what we've been talking about. All right, so the way you can answer this in a less painful way, as opposed to having to create a chart and then draw lines and stuff like that, is to again, use our good friend, Microsoft Excel, and here is the equation which allows you to calculate uh, the probability that a certain number of vehicles are unavailable. So in this case, the difference between this equation, this formula, and the one you saw previously for the uh, probability mass function is that the last argument, as opposed to being false, is now true. That simply changes, changes it from a probability mass function formula in Excel to a CDF or cumulative distribution function. All right, so let's go through some boring math symbology just to allow you guys to uh, be, aware of, be aware of it when you see it in textbooks or, or reports. The CDF, the cumulative distribution function, is represented with uh, the capital F followed by X in brackets or the random variable in brackets. That's equivalent to the probability that, that your random variable is, is less than or equal to a certain value, which is what that... Uh, uh, term on the right-hand side means. And for all discrete random variables, it's simply the sum of all the probability mass function column heights up until that point. And so for our binomial distribution, it looks like this. Hopefully this is motivating you to go straight to the Excel formula and never, never ever try and solve this one by hand. Uh, there's no reason to Excel is really useful for scenarios like this. So this probability distribution we are looking at has that name, that binomial distribution, a sequence of what we call Bernoulli trials. Remember those trials we were talking about are scenarios where we have, um, where we, uh, have an outcome, one of two possible outcomes from an experiment. Cost of a, toss of a coin is a great example. And so here is our probability mass function for a binomial distribution. Now, sometimes when it comes to fleet planning, we actually don't want to admire the number of vehicles we currently have or the number of pumps we currently have or the number of whatever it is your fleet comprises of. Fleet planning infers that you have some ability to control your fleet size. So perhaps as opposed to working out if we can launch a mission or not, we want to work out the fleet size we need to have. So we are 100% certain that nine APCs will be functional or available. That's fleet planning. That's the sort of fleet planning I'm interested in. How many vehicles do I need in total to be able to guarantee that I can launch my mission? So we've just gone through the process of for 10, a fleet of 10, we've worked out that there's 73.6099% probability that if we uh, select 10 vehicles, nine or more of them will be functional. And the equation or formula we use in Excel to get that is one minus the binome, binome dot dist of eight. 10 
0.9 followed by true. So eight represents eight or fewer, sorry, uh, eight or fewer vehicles being available. 10 represents a fleet size, 0.9 represents fleet availability and true represents we, we, are, we are interested in the CDF. And we subtract that from one to give us a probability that nine or 10 vehicles are functional. So this is the equation you use to work out um, uh, the probability of a certain number of things being available. So what we can do is repeat this for a different fleet size. Remember, we, we are not happy with 73.6099% or 0.736099. We want to increase the number of vehicles we have to ensure that this gets to 100. Well, if we increase our fleet size, we change our XL formula. And you can see that instead of there being a fleet size of 10, now there's a fleet size of 11. And we certainly have increased the probability of nine or more being functional from 73% or 74% to about 91% but we need to keep going because we need to be 100% certain we can launch any mission, any day, any night. And if we keep going, we come across a problem. That problem is, is that no matter how big my fleet size is, there is still a finite probability that all, in this case, 29 vehicles will be unavailable if I randomly walk up to 29 vehicles in the hope of being able to launch a mission. So even though the probability of that happening is really, really small, as you can see, the nines, 0.999, all those nines are starting to dominate the screen. So we're very close to a probability of one, but it's still not quite there. And that means we can never guarantee that we will ever have nine functional APCs. The reason why is failure is a random process. So if it's possible, there is a finite probability that that thing can happen. And it is possible for if you if you have 100 vehicles on that particular day it is still possible for 100 vehicles to be unavailable even though it's highly improbable so what we are going to do is deal with confidence so instead of saying to your company commander to say hey look this is a vehicle a number of vehicles you need to have be 100 100 certain you can have you can launch a mission you need to accept some risk that there's a chance that that won't always occur. Why is that? Because failure is a random process. And if we want to decrease that risk, we need to get a big fleet size and that costs money. And obviously money by definition isn't free. Money is the antithesis of anything being free. So we can't give you a million APCs to make sure that probability of having uh, at least nine uh, functional is as close to one as you'd like it to be. We need to compromise. So you need to tell me what risk there is that uh, you're willing to tolerate of you not being able to launch your mission. And let's just say that company commander says, all right, I just want to be 95% certain that I can launch my mission. Well, we go through that process we just went through. And on the right-hand side of this column here, you can see the first value, which is greater than 0.95, 95% is the one that is circled on the screen right now. And so this tells me that if I want to be 95% confident that I will have at least nine APCs available or fully functional, I need to have a fleet size of 12. Now, if you walk up to another company commander and he or she says, hey, I'm not, I don't want to be 95% confident. I want to be 99% confident. 
Well, the first value on the right-hand side, which is greater than 99% or 0.99 is this one here, which means that they're, they're, uh, that company commander will need to have a fleet size of 13. So this is how we can start going about to, uh, that wonderful going about that wonderful process of fleet planning. How many things do I need? Well, the binomial distribution and the equations that we've just given you, which are all in the workbook, and this work example can, uh, is uh, is how you can tell. Okay, all right. So I think what I was getting to the getting to at that point was explaining how two different infantry commanders with different uh, risk thresholds were able to uh, tell me what, what risk they were willing to tolerate in terms of not being able to launch a mission and that drove fleet size. The next thing I said was that, so if you've got your own scenario, your own fleet of pumps, valves, vehicles, whatever it is, you can go through this exact, um, this exact process, uh, this, sorry, this corresponding process, every step of which is in the workbook that you should have access to either now or shortly, for you to work at how, how many things you need in total to be relatively certain that a certain number of them are going to be available or functional. When I say relatively certain, another way of saying that is what risk you are willing to accept that they won't. So before I move on, are there any questions now, given that you can now hear me? Oh, good. Okay. Sorry about those technical difficulties. Very good, good example of how reliability touches every part of our daily lives, including webinars that have uh, been planned for months in advance. Okay, so the next thing we're going to look at is that mission being launched. We've, we've got nine vehicles. They are happily trundling down the road or across the countryside. Um, and some other, some other logisticians, some other supply guy, the quartermaster says, okay, how many spares will we need? How many spare uh, road wheels do we need in particular? Now, APCs are just like many other vehicles which do have, while well, they do have tracks, they also have wheels. And the tracks are wonderful at allowing them to go over all sorts of terrain, but these road wheels are very robust. They don't, they're not inflated. They usually have solid, a solid rubber tie around the outside. And these road wheels do deteriorate over time. And let's just say that the mean time between failure of these road wheels in this case is 12,000 kilometers. And we wanna know how many spare road wheels do we need to take um, to uh, get through a 2000 kilometer journey? Now, I'm gonna see that Pete has raised a question. We may want to mention that this assumes vehicles are independent. If there is a correlated issue, such as a common design defect or lack of fuel, the results will be very different. Thanks, Peter. Completely agree. If there's a lack of fuel, then you could argue that your vehicles are not available. However, in that scenario, I would suggest that most contemporary definitions of availability would still consider those vehicles to be available because they're fully functional. And there's a term that we often use a lot, uh, a lot to delineate between um, a, a, a machine working 
and scenarios where it's not getting power or not getting fuel or it's not getting input or throughput. So most contemporary definitions of availability would see those vehicles as available even though there's a lack of fuel. Now I do take your point, the, uh, the uh, infantry commander still can't launch their mission if there's a lack of fuel, but that's a separate problem. The other thing is that uh, you suggested that these vehicles need to be independent. If there is a correlated issue, such as a common design defect, th um, then they will not be independent. I do agree with that up until a point. In fact, I'm going to uh, ask that we look at, uh, if we look at that scenario, that idea of dependence, when we go at this road wheel problem. And Mahendra asked a question, or made a statement, I should say, where she said, uh, wonderful if we increase availability, increase availability to increase the odds of success instead of increasing fleet size. That's a wonderful observation. That's where reliability engineers can become wonderful value adders because it's very expensive to uh, simply give every company in a brigade or a division, an additional APC to increase the likelihood of being able to launch a mission. Perhaps we can increase the availability by making it more reliable, uh, optimizing servicing intervals, all sorts of other wonderful things which can improve the chances, chances of us launching a mission. So I completely agree with you. I, I will say that we're sort of trying to, in this webinar is focusing on fleet planning, given uh, RAM characteristics being set in stone, but I take your point, we should never ever give up the fight to improve reliability or optimize reliability, availability and maintainability because that saves money. So I completely concur. All right, so how many ride wheels does this APC need, this single APC need to get through a uh, 2000 kilometer journey? So in this case, there are 12 wheels. So there is, uh, they, each one of those wheels We'll be traveling 2,000 kilometers in this 2,000 kilometer journey. So there's 12 wheels. Essentially, they're all traveling 24,000 kilometers in total. Now, the MTBF uh, is 12,000. I know that's Fred's most favorite metric in the whole wide world. So let's assume that the MTBF is, uh, is all we need. And that's going to be, <laughs> that's going to tell us that we are going to experience exactly two failures. Now, the reality is, regardless of, uh, if, even if we understood the time to failure of this, uh, of this road wheel using a normal distribution or a wireball distribution, it will still have an MTBF. I wanna delineate, uh, I wanna make, make it clear that uh, our friends and our colleagues on Ascendo advocate against using the MTBF as your only metric. Uh, every random variable will have a mean value. So by definition, even if we know the, uh, the time to failure model or probability distribution for this ride wheel, it will have an MTBF. But let's just say we've gone through that process and we have an MTBF of 12,000 kilometers. These wheels are traveling 12, uh, 24,000 kilometers in total. Surely we can say with absolute uh, certainty that we will have exactly two. Remember, failure is a random process. So even though, but even though it's random, doesn't mean it's not predictable. So instead of us being able to say there will be exactly two failures, we can say we would expect two failures. An expectation is a statistical term 
essentially analogous to the mean, the average. If we did, if we had a million APCs and they're all traveling uh, 2000 kilometers and you average the number of road wheels that each one of those, each one of those vehicles went through on that journey, the, ex, the average would be two based on our information we already have. So, but remember, failure is a random process. We can't just deal with the expected or typical values for anything. So again, if we say X, uppercase X, is the actual number of road wheel failures, then we need to examine the probabilities of different numbers of road wheels failing. So in this case, there's, there's a chance that zero could fail, there's a chance that seven could fail, there's a chance that two could fail. So we need to do what we did for our APC fleet planning uh, example and work out individual probabilities of certain numbers of road wheels failing. And so we're going to go back to that probability mass function, but we're not dealing with the same process anymore. We're dealing with a completely different process. One where our road wheels are failing over time or over usage, or over distance. We're not dealing with trials. We're not going up and touching a, a, an APC just to see if it's working or not. So the equation for the probability mass function of this random variable, the number of road wheel failures that we're going to experience is this expression here. And this is uh, a little bit complicated to solve. And it incorporates the expected number of failures, which we've already worked out is two. And tell, if we substitute in for X, we will work out exact, exact probabilities of certain road wheels failing. And this is called the Poisson distribution. So if you're ever doing uh, spare planning or, or sparing analysis, and someone says, well, we're gonna use a Poisson distribution, that's where it comes from. It comes from this process where we are, are going through a certain number of, number of spare things. And the, the Excel formula you need to use to work out the probability of exactly a certain number of things or certain number of road wheels failing is this one on the screen right now. Okay, so let's take this knowledge and create our chart again, the probability mass function. For, but in this, in this case, the uh, random variable we're investigating is the total number of road wheel failures. And when we use that probability mass function equation using Excel, we get these columns here. And we can see that there is, uh, there is uh, there's a clear clustering of likely values around two. But as he pointed out, you can still, still see there's a little column around about six. So that means there's a chance that we could have six road, wheel fail, road, road wheels fail on our journey. In fact, there are, there's a probability that more than six um, uh, have failed once we, uh, uh, more than six will have failed for each vehicle. Now, Doug is asking the question, how many kilometers have the road wheels already traveled? That will also influence how many spares will be needed. Great question, really good question. I'm going to come, come to that in a minute. So in the same vein as we can, as, uh, as the conclusion we came up with for our APC fleets, where we could never have a fleet size big enough to guarantee that nine would be functional, we can never guarantee that we'll have enough road wheels to get through our journey. So how many road wheels do we need on, on our APC? Well, this is where that cumulative distribution function becomes very handy again. And here is the Excel formula you need to use to calculate the Excel, uh, sorry, the CDF value. 
And we replace these columns with those uh, lines, which help us create this little step thing here. And so if I want to be 80% confident of making the journey, well, I simply plot across here and it tells me that I need to have three spare road wheels or at least three spare road wheels. And if I have three spare road wheels on my APC, that tells me I'm, oh, there's an 80% chance of me making it through my journey, have being able to replace all those road wheels we're going to fail, that, that are going to fail. If I'm not happy with that, if I want to be 95% certain, then I need to have five sp spare road wheels. So again, it comes down to what risk are you willing to take? You can never be, you can never, um, uh, be absolutely certain that you will have a fleet size big enough to accommodate all scenarios or enough spares to guarantee that you will have enough to get through, um, uh, get through a journey like this. Now I'm gonna come back to Doug's question, how many kilometers have the wheels already traveled? That will also influence how many spares will be needed. Sorry, and I can see that uh, another attendee has also asked how many non-operating road wheels can the APC tolerate? Uh, maybe they should get an, an AAA roadside assist account. Uh, completely agree, Fred. I'm not sure of uh, AAA's roadside assistance packages for Afghanistan and other likely uh, areas of operations moving forward. But hey, um, I'm Australian. Maybe there's a little bit more robust coverage policies that I'm used to from where compared to where I come from. So we'll go back to Doug. The amount of kilometers that the road wheels have already traveled will be a factor. And to a point, that's 100% true. However, when we are dealing with, um, when we're dealing with these scenarios, we can be sneaky. And the fact that for example, one of those ride wheels on that APC will be almost brand new and another one of those vehicles will be, one of those ride wheels will be close to death. We can bring it back to that wonderful, wonderful metric that Fred really loves, the MTBF. Because those, that, those, uh, that dispersion in residual useful life of those ride wheels is essentially, in a way, averaged out. And there's a statistical phenomenon behind that. And so it essentially means that if we assume that each one of these road wheels has a, is uh, randomly, is, it, is at a random point in its, uh, in its useful life, then those 12 road wheels acting together, in essence, if there's enough of them, will behave as if there's a constant hazard rate. So if you have thousands upon thousands of things that are within your system and they're all of varying ages, that's where you do experience what's called a constant hazard rate when it comes to spares and spare analysis. But, and here's the but, the MTBF is not reliability. At best, in this scenario, the MTBF can be used for logistics sparing. And the problems arise when we have a really small fleet. So for example, if our APC only had one road wheel, then of course the age of that road wheel at the start of the journey would have a huge impact. And we cannot assume that because there are 12 and they're all their residual useful life are essentially randomly spread, but each one of them still has an MTBF of 12,000 kilometers. We cannot simply assume that away. And that's one of the biggest problems I see when it comes to sparing analysis. 
because the Poisson distribution is based on the assumption that things fail at a constant rate. And if you, that's okay if you have a relatively big fleet size, if your vehicle has lots of wheels. But if it doesn't, if you've got a small number of uh, small fleet size, you're expecting to go through a relatively small number of spares, then that's where you really need to understand the reliability of the thing you are replacing. And when you do that, you can actually realize through some of my other webinars touch on this, you can actually realize that you need a lot less, a lot fewer spare parts, especially if you start up with brand new things. But hopefully that answers your question. Um, yeah, Drenix theorem. Thank you for putting a name to that concept, Drenix theorem. Essentially, uh, I think Drenix was originally talking about submarines, essentially saying that, hey, if all the submarine parts have, uh, have randomly progressing through their residual useful life, the entire system will act as if it has a constant hazard rate, which is an easy get out of jail free card in terms of doing more robust or more, more proper statistical analysis when it comes to reliability. And there are some cases where that's true, um, but don't forget things like submarines, they go through deep maintenance periods. And so to su suggest that when those submarines get put to sea, they're essentially all randomly traveling through their own journeys on the residu residual useful life scale. Uh, that is just a simple, that is a fallacy at best. <coughs> yeah, so Fred points out, if the APC can run on four bad wheels, then the math gets a bit more complex, yet the process to sort out the spares pretty much remains the same, which is a great point. It means that um, uh, we, can still, we can still work out how many things are failing, but if we only need to have, uh, we're still expecting if we have all, fit, all 12 wheels functional, uh, we'll still expect two to fail on our journey. But if we only need eight to be uh, fully functional, then we can use what we, the, equations, the equations we just learned to work out the probability of making it through our journey. People who wanna talk about that further, we are running out of time. So you'll have to reach out after this webinar is completed. So it comes down to the risk you're willing to take. So just to summarize the two discrete probability distributions we went through today. The first one was a binomial distribution. Models a number of successes you see for a given number of trials. And the Poisson distribution models a number of events you see within a given interval. So uh, we use a binomial distribution a lot for number of available or functional systems, single shot systems, testing, because we often um, we often do, for example, screening testing, where if a ball bearing has a certain defect, then it gets discarded. If, it's, if the defect within, a, within tolerances, it gets accepted. Another example of binomial distribution modeling that process. And the Poisson distribution is often used for spare parts prediction and unfortunately for MTBF testing because it is based on the assumption of a constant hazard rate. Now, MTBF testing is a whole new kettle of fish in terms of so-called reliability demonstration testing. I'm not gonna to touch, on, touch on that today in great detail, but it is not, uh, we do a lot of MTBF testing, but there are lots of issues with that, with the assumptions that uh, we often make. So to, sum, to summarize the summary, the binomial distribution in our example today was used to work out the, how many vehicles are available or the probability of certain numbers of vehicles being available, I should say. The Poisson distribution work, helped us work out how many spare road wheels we need when we're going through a mission um, based on the assumption that those road wheels are going to be 
failing at a relatively constant rate. So, a couple of really good questions and comments through in today's conversation. Are there any questions about discrete probability distributions? Noting I've only covered two of them, but they are without a doubt the big two in the world of reliability, logistics, and sparing and fleet planning. Any questions or comments? After this, I'm going to model the availability of my fleet of microphones for webinars, see what I come up with. Call that Jackson's theorem. <laughs> yes, for me, user error is always included because it's a dominant failure mechanism for most of the stuff I'm involved with. Thank you, Larry. So while people are typing any final questions or comments, just want to, uh, to uh, remind everyone that feel free to uh, not just reach out in regards to specific topics. If you have a comment or, or a query or a request or a conundrum that perhaps we could address in webinar form moving forward, please uh, feel free to reach out. Thank you, Patricia, and thank you, uh, Nathaniel. Um, please feel free to reach out. Uh, we're always, always trying to respond to uh, um, suggestions from you guys as well. We're trying to remain topical, we're trying to remain hip hop happening in contemporary. So if you have any, any ideas about what we can do moving forward, please feel free to reach out. Maybe we'll address, it in, address that in a podcast. Maybe we'll address it in a webinar. But uh, thank you very much, Mahendra. Fred is talking, uh, Fred is sorry, uh, sharing a message about the workbook. As you are well aware, Sendo is still in the process of updating, upgrading its website. So there's still a couple of things that uh, Fred is, uh, is uh, bolting down right now, but that uh, workbook should be available. So Doug asks, uh, are there any resources on Ascendo or speaking of reliability podcast with a calculation of availability question that was asked earlier? And the answer is yes. Um, it is a broad problem or broad uh, question you're trying to answer. Uh, so it will involve both system reliability modeling and downtime modeling as well. It's one of those things where I think it would be best answered in a course or a, you'd have to do a bit of, bit of study. But yes, if you looked at system reliability modeling, that will help you understand uh, how you can model systems up until the point of failure. And of course, there, are, there is maintainability stuff you can look at in terms of, um, in terms of modeling what happens after things fail. Um, and then uh, I would suggest perhaps if you uh, can't find the resources you're after, again, feel free to reach out via email or have a chat. Uh, Nathaniel asks, can you do a talk on the RAM of fleet vehicles? Could you just clarify that a little bit, um, Nathaniel? Um, is, uh, are you talking about, um, yeah, what are you talking, because there's so many, there's so many things that would be 
within the remit of, of the reliability, availability, and maintainability of fleet vehicles. Preventive maintenance, is that what you're referring to, Kenneth? No worries, Doug. Tracking and measuring real data. Okay. Um, Nathaniel, if you don't mind, could you send me an email with a few more details in that one? Um, for example, I have done webinars where I looked at servicing interval optimization for a fleet of, uh, of military vehicles. They were the Land Rover 110. In that scenario, that, that analysis uncovered the fact that we were servicing way too often and by servicing less often, we we're able to increase the reliability. So that's one thing. Um, but again, if you could reach out and maybe we could start a conversation about what it is you're after, that'd be very useful. Um, Nelson uh, said that just coming back to the applicability, so we can get away with the MTBF as many items together will approach a constant rate of failure. Yes, if those many items all start off with essentially random, random agents. If they all brand new when you start, then you might have a problem. But if they're all uh, sort of, uh, if they all have very, if they're all at varying ages or, or progress, progressing randomly through their service lives, then the constant rate of failure for lots of widgets is a pretty good assumption to make. You can all but guarantee you'll see a constant hazard rate above 30, uh, uh, fleet size of 30. Um, and depending on the nature of failure, that assumption is valid for smaller fleet sizes or smaller numbers of of uh, things you're repairing. Uh, thanks for sharing the, the email as well, Fred. So if anyone does want to reach out, of course, it assume that if you got to a sender reliability, you can find my contact details. But if for those of you who are, want to save those 30 seconds, my email address is in the, the comments box, the chat window, I should say.